the purple cloud section thirteen section thirteen of the purple cloud this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. The Purple Cloud by Matthew Phipps Shill. Section 13. One most brilliant autumn day, I walked by the village market cross at Barnard, come at last, but with a tenderness in my heart and a reluctance to where I was born for i said i would go and see my sister ada and the other old one i leaned and loitered a long time on the bridge gazing up the craggy height which is heavy with waving wood and crowned by the castle tower the teeth sweeping round the mountain base smooth here and sunlit but a mile down where i wished to go but could not brawling bedraggled and lacerated like a sweet strumpet all shallow among rocks on the reaches of shadow the shadow of rugby woods i climbed very leisurely up the hillside having in my hand a bag with a meal and up the stair in the wall to the top i went where there is no parapet but a massiveness of wall that precludes danger and here in my miner's attire i sat three hours brooding sleepily upon the scene of lush umbrageous old wood that marks the long way the river takes from margwood chase up above and where the rapid balder bickers in down to bowery rugby touched now with autumn the thickness of trees lessening away towards the uplands where there are far etherealized stretches of fields within hedgerows and in the sunny mirage of the farthest assured remoteness hints of lonesome moorland it was not till near three that i went down along the river then near rugby traversing the old meadow and ascending the old hill and there as of all was the little black square with yellow letters on the gate wall hunt hill house no part no house i believe of this countryside was empty of strange corpses and they were in hunt hill too i saw three in the weedy plot to the right of the garden path where once the hawthorn and lilac tree had grown from well-rolled grass and in the little bush wilderness to the left which was always a wilderness one more and in the breakfast-room to the right of the hall three and in the new wooden clinker built attachment opening upon the breakfast-room two half under the billiard-table and in her room overlooking the porch on the first floor the long thin form of my mother on her bed with crushed in temple and at the foot of the bed face downward on the floor black-haired ada in a night-dress of all the men and women who died they too alone had burying for i digged a hole with a stable spade under the front lilac and wound them in the sheets foot and form and head and 
not without throes and qualms i bore and buried them there some time passed after this before the long multitudinous and perplexing tax of visiting the mine regions again claimed me i found myself at a place called ingleboro which is a big table mountain with a top of fifteen to twenty acres from which the sea is visible across lancashire to the west and in the sides of this strange hill are a number of caves which i searched during three days sleeping in a garden shed at a very rural and flower-embowered village for every room in it was thronged a place marked clapham in the church in clapdale which latter is a dale penetrating the slopes of the mountain and there i found by far the greatest of the caves which i saw having ascended a path from the village to a hollow between two grass slopes where there is a beck and so entering an arch to the left screened by trees into the limestone cliff the passage narrows pretty rapidly inwards and i had not proceeded two yards before i saw the clear traces of a great battle there all this region had in fact been invaded for the cave must have been famous though i did not remember it myself and for some miles round the dead were pretty frequent making the immediate approach to the cave a matter for care if the food was to be saved from pollution it is clear that there had been an iron gate across the entrance and within this a wall had been built across shutting in i do not know how many perhaps one or two perhaps hundreds and both gate and wall had been stormed and broken down for there still were the sledges and rocks which without doubt had done it i had a lamp and on my forehead the lighted candle and i went on quickly seeing it useless now to choose my steps where there was no choice through a passage encrusted roof and sides with a scabrous petrified lichen the roof low for some ninety yards covered with down-looking cones like an inverted forest of children's toy trees i then came to a round hole apparently artificial opening through a curtain of stalagmitic formation into a great cavern beyond which was quite animated and festal with flashes sparkles and diamond lustres hung in their myriads upon a movement of the eye these being produced by large numbers of snowy wet stalagmites very large and high down the centre of which ran a continuous long lane of clothes and hats and faces with hasty reluctant feet i somehow passed over them the cave all the time widening thousands of stalactites appearing on the roof of every size from virgin breasts to giant's claw and now everywhere the wet drip drip as it were a populous busy bazaar of perspiring brows and hurrying feet in which the only business is to drip where stalactite meets stalagmite there are pillars where stalactite meets stalactite in fissures long or short there are elegances flimsy draperies 
delicate fantasies there were also pools of water in which hung heads and feet and they were vacant spots at outlying spaces where the arched roof which continually heightened itself was reflected in the chill gleam of the floor suddenly the roof came down the floor went up and they seemed to meet before me but looking i found a low opening through which drawing myself on the belly over slime for some yards in repulsive proximity to dead personalities i came out upon a floor of sand and pebbles under a long dry tunnel arched and narrow grim and dull without stalactites suggestive of monks and catacomb bolts and the route to the grave and here the dead were much fewer proving either that the general mob had not had time to penetrate so far inward or else that those within if they were numerous had gone out to defend or to hearken to the storm of their citadel this passage led me into an open space the grandest of all loftily bolted full of genie riches and buried treasures of light the million-fold ensemble of lustres dancing scottish she with the eye as it moved or was still this place i should guess being quite half a mile from the entrance my prying lantern showed me here only nineteen dead men of various nations and at the far end two holes in the floor large enough to admit the body through which from below came up a sound of falling water both of these holes i could see had been filled with cement concrete wisely i fancy for a current of air from somewhere seemed to be now passing through them and this would have resulted in the death of the hiders both however of the feelings had been broken through one partially the other wholly by the ignorant i presume who thought to hide in a secret place yet beyond where they may have been believed on seeing the artificial work that others were i had my ear a long time at one of these openings listening to that mysterious chant down below in a darkness most murky and dismal and afterwards spurred by the stubborn will which i had to be thorough i went back took a number of outer robes from the bodies tied them well together then one end round the nearest pillar and having put my mouth to the hole calling anyone anyone let myself down by the rope of garments the candle at my head i had not however descended far into those mournful shades when my right foot plunged into water and instantly the feeling of terror pierced me that all the evil things in the universe were at my leg to drag me down to hell and i was up quicker than i went down nor did my flight cease till with a sigh of deliverance i found myself in open air after this seeing that the autumn warmth was passing away i set myself with more system to my task and within the next six months worked with a steadfast will and a strenuous assiduity seeking not indeed for a man in a mine 
but for some evidence of the possibility that a man might be alive visiting in that time northumberland and durham fife and kingrose south wales and monmouthshire cornwall and the midlands the lead mines of derbyshire of allandale and other parts of northumberland of alston moor and other parts of cumberland of arkindale and other parts of yorkshire of the western part of durham and salop of cornwall on the men deep hills of somershire of flint cardigan and montgomery of larnark and argyle of the isle of man of waterford and down i have gone down the three hundred and sixty feet grand pipe iron ladder of the abandoned graphite mine at barrowdale in cumberland half way up a mountain two thousand feet high and visited where cobalt and manganese ore is mined in pockets at the fuel here dog mine near real in flintshire and the lead and copper newton stewart workings in galloway the bristol coal fields and mines of south staffordshire whereas in somerset gloucester and shropshire the veins are thin and the mining system is the long wall whereas in the northern wales the system is the pillar and stall i have visited the open workings for iron ores of northamptonshire and the underground stone quarries and the underground slate quarries with their alternate pillars and chambers in the Fistnyong district of north wales also the rock salt workings the tin copper and cobalt workings of cornwall and where the minerals were brought to the surface on the backs of men and where they were brought by added levels provided with railroads and where as in all cornish mines there are two ladders in the shaft moved up and down alternately see so and by skipping from one to the other at right moments you ascended or descended and where the drawing up is by a gin or horse wind with a vertical drum the tisbury and chilmark quarries in wiltshire the spingwell and cliffwood quarries in yorkshire and every tunnel and every recorded hole for something urged within me saying you must be sure first or you can never be yourself at the farm brook coal field in the red coal pit my inexperience nearly ended my life for though i had a minute theoretical knowledge of all british workings i was in my practical relation to them like a man who has learned seamanship on shore at this place the dead were accumulated i think beyond precedent the dark plain around for at least three miles being as strewn as a ripped field with stacks and near the bank much more strewn than stack fields filling the only house within sight of the pit mouth the small place provided for the company's officials and even lying over the great mountain heap of work composed of the shale and the frieze of the working here i arrived on the morning of the fifteenth december 
to find that unlike the others there was here no rope ladder or other contrivance fixed by the fugitives in the ventilating shaft which usually is not very deep being also the pumping shaft containing a plug rod at one end of the vein engine which works the pumps but looking down the shaft i discerned a bag mass of clothes and afterwards a thing that could only be a rope ladder which a batch of the fugitives by hanging to it their united weight must have dragged down upon themselves to prevent the descent of yet others my only way of going down therefore was by the pit mouth and as this was an important place after some hesitation i decided very rashly first i provided for my coming up again by getting a great coil of half-inch rope which i found in the bailey's office probably a hundred and thirty phantoms log rope at most mines being so plentiful that it almost seemed as if each fugitive had provided himself in that way this length of rope i threw over the beam of the vin engine in the bight where it sustains the road and paid one end down the shaft till both were at the bottom in this way i could come up by tying one rope end to the rope ladder hoisting it fastening the other end below and climbing the ladder and then i set to work to light the pit mouth engine fire to effect my descent this done i started the engine and brought up the cage from the bottom the three hundred yards of wire rope winding with a quaint deliberateness round the drum reminding me of a camel's nonchalant leisurely obedience when i saw the four meeting chains of the cage roof emerge the pointed roof and two-sided frame i stopped the ascent and next attached to the knock-off gear a long piece of twine which i had provided carried the other end to the cage in which i had five companions lit my hat candle which was my test for choke damp and the davy and without the least reflection pulled the string that hole was nine hundred feet deep first the cage gave a little uplift and then began to descend quite normally i thought though the candle at once went out nor had i the least fear a strong current of air indeed blew up the shaft but that happens in shafts this current however soon became too vehemently boisterous for anything i saw the lamp light struggle the dead cheeks quiver i heard the cage shoes go singing down the wire rope guides and quicker we went and quicker that facile descent of avernus slipping lightly then ranging with the sparks at the shoes and guides and a hurricane in my ears and eyes and mouth when we bumped upon the dogs at the bottom i was tossed a foot upwards with the stern-faced others and then lay among them in the eight-foot space without consciousness it was only when i sat an hour later disgustedly reflecting of this incident that i remembered that there was always some hand working of the engine 
during the cage descents an engine man reversing the action by a handle at every stroke of the piston to prevent bumping however the only permanent injury was to the lamp and i found many others inside i got out into the coal hole a large black hole seventy-fifth square by fifteen high the floor paved with iron sheets there were some little holes round the wall dug for some purpose which i never could discover some wagons full of coal and shale standing about and all among the wagons and on them and under them bodies clothes i got a new lamp pouring in my oil and went down a long steep ducky road very rough with numerous rollers over which ran a rope to the pit mouth for drawing up the wagons and in the sides here at regular intervals manholes within which to rescue oneself from down tearing wagons and within these manholes here and there a death and in others every sort of food and at one placed on the right a high dead heap and the air here hot at sixty-four or sixty-five degrees and getting hotter with the descent the ducky led me down into a standing a space with a turntable of unusual size which i made my base for operations for exploring here was a very considerable number of pond-shaped pots on carriages and also wagons such as took the new mine coal from pot to pit mouth and raying out from this open standing several avenues some ascending as gogs some descending as dipples and the dead here all arranged in groups the heads of this group pointing up this log of that group toward that twin way of that other down that dipple and the central space where weighing was done almost empty and the dark some silence of this deep place with all these multitudes i found extremely gravitated and hypnotic drawing me too into their great passion of silence in which they lay all all so fixed and veteran and at one time i fell a staring nearer perhaps to death and the empty gulf that i knew but i said i would be strong and not sink into their habit of stillness but let them keep to their own way and follow their own fashion and i would keep to my own way and follow my own fashion nor yield to them though i was but one against many and i roused myself with a shudder and set into work caught hold of the drum chain of a long gog and planting my feet on the chalk holes in which rested the wheels of the pot carriages that used to come roaring down the gog i got up stooping under a roof only three feet high till i came near the end of the ascent upon the scene of another battle for in this gog about fifteen of the mine hands had clothed to wall themselves in and had done it and i saw them lie there all by themselves through the broken cement with their bare feet trousers naked bodies all black besides all fierce and wild the grime still streaked with sweat furrows 
the candle in their rimless hats and outside their own getting mattocks and boring irons to besiege them from the bottom of this gog i went along a very undulated twin way into which every thirty yards or so opened one of those steep pathways which they call topples the twin ways having plates of about two and a half feet gauge for the pots from the headings or workings above to come down upon full of coal and shale and all about here in twin way and topples were ends and corners and not one had been left without its walling in and only one was then intact some i fancied having been broken open by their own builders at the spurt of suffocation or hunger and the one intact i broke into with a mattock it was only a thin cake of plaster but air-tight and in a space not seven feet long behind it i found a very ill-smelling corpse of a carting boy with gauze and togger at his feet and the pad which protected his head in pushing the pots and a great heap of loaves sardines and bottled beer against the walls and five or six mice that suddenly pitched screaming through the opening which i made greatly startling me there being of dead mice an extraordinary number in all this mine region i went back to the standing and at one point in the ground where there was a windlass and change lowered myself down a cot a small pit sunk perpendicularly to a lower coal stratum and here almost thinking i could hear the perpetual rat-tat of notice once exchanged between the pot boys below and the windlass boys above i proceeded down a deeple to another place like a standing for in this mine there were six or perhaps seven veins and there immediately i came upon the acme of the horrible drama of this tartarus for all here was not merely crowded but at some points a packed conjection of flesh giving out the strong smell of the pitch curiously mixed with the stale coal odour of the pit for here ventilation must have been very limited and a large number of these masses had been shot down by only three hands as i found for through three hermetical holes in a plaster wall built across a large gog projected a little the muscles of three rifles which must have glutted themselves with the slaughter and when after a horror of disgust having swum as it were through a dead sea i got to the wall i peeped from a small clear space before it through a hole and made out a man two youths in their teens two women three girls and piles of cartridges and provisions the hole had not doubt been broken from within at the spur of suffocation when the poison must have entered i conjecture that here must be the mine owner director manager or something of that sort with his family in another deeple region when i had reascended to a higher level i nearly fainted before i could retire from the commencement of a region of after damp 
where there had been an explosion the bodies laying all hairless devastated and grotesque but i did not desist from searching every other quarter no momentary work for not till near six did i go up by the pumping shaft rope ladder end of section thirteen recorded by gabby cowan in kingston ontario canada